what are the values that the behaviors that are going to help us meet our purpose and our mission and define those well. And then most importantly, demonstrate them to everyone in the organization consistently on a daily basis. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Future Proof, episode 70, to be exact. Nice round number there. I'm Bill Sheridan. I'm your host. Uh, We're jumping back on the culture train today. As you can tell, I'm a big believer in getting your culture right. We've had conversations like this before with folks like Tom Peters and Carl Ulrichs and, and Jamie Notter. Uh, Richard Silverstein and David Barrett, among others. It's it's just a really important conversation to be having because really there might not be a bigger differentiator, a, a more important differentiator in business today than your culture. And if you get it right, you're going to have a leg up in recruitment and retention for one, but also just doing business with really great people who will sing your praises and be loyal to you and, and evangelize what you do to the world. So, yeah, culture's important. And here to help us take this conversation a step further this week is none other than Deanne Turner. She speaks and consults with businesses around the world on how to leverage talent and culture to create what she calls legendary customer experiences. And she ought to know, she spent more than 30 years with Chick-fil-A, including a stint as their vice president of talent and human resources. And if there's one thing that Chick-fil-A does well besides chicken, it's culture. And we'll get to that conversation here in just a minute. First, let me tell you that this week's show is sponsored by the Business Learning Institute, which delivers competency-based curriculum courses, content, and community to maximize career trajectories and grow intellectual capital for organizational and executive leadership. Hundreds of courses by dozens of instructors and unlimited customization. Find out how the Business Learning Institute can help you by visiting blionline.org. So, Deanne Turner, she's a pretty big deal in the culture world. Uh, She's written a couple books on the subject. Her latest came out in September. It's called Bet on Talent, How to Create a Remarkable Culture that Wins the Hearts of Customers. It's got a forward by Patrick Lencioni, too, so that's impressive. Uh, She also wrote the 2015 book, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and Compelling Culture. And that book offered a blueprint of sorts for how to build a culture that resonates in a positive way. And uh, Forbes contributor Kevin Cruz, he summarizes that blueprint in an article for Forbes. Here's what he has to say. He writes, conceptual pillars such as purpose, mission, and values will map the way to a compelling culture, but Turner points out it's people who will live the culture out. At Chick-fil-A, Turner and others enroll people in its cultures in three key ways. Number one, recruit for culture. Turner recruits people who identify personally with Chick-fil-A's culture. Finding people who fit is one of the most important components of creating a compelling culture that lasts. And it's also one of the most difficult to get right. Chick-fil-A's proven talent selection process focuses on three C's, character, competency, and chemistry. These qualities are harder to gauge than traditional factors, but Turner claims it is possible if you commit to deeper observation. For example, 
Turner observes the way candidates treat other employees like receptionists who are not traditionally seen as having any sway in hiring decisions. As Turner notes, an individual with character will treat everyone they come across with respect and kindness, no matter their position. Number two, nurture talent by telling the truth. Turner writes that nurturing both emerging and seasoned talent is key. Investing in the people already on your team is a vital piece of cultivating strong culture. Offering opportunities is important, but stewarding employees starts with one transformative practice, tell the truth. In the midst of a world that's grown tired of corporate doublespeak, conveying the truth in a respectful way when it comes to performance, expectations, and more is revolutionary. It's also the kindest thing you can do for an employee and creates a culture of trust that prizes individuals and relationships. And finally, number three, engage guests in your culture. Chick-fil-A's culture isn't just felt and lived by Chick-fil-A employees. Chick-fil-A guests also experience the company's compelling culture. It's understood that every single person who walks through the doors of a Chick-fil-A restaurant anywhere in the country can expect to be treated with honor, dignity, and respect. Chick-fil-A employees have helped Chick-fil-A become just as known for its second-mile service and delivering the signature response of It's My Pleasure as it is for delicious chicken. Every time an executive chooses to be last in line or a restaurant staff member runs out of the rain or out in the rain rather to escort a mother and her children inside under an umbrella, Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy's example of servant leadership lives on. Ultimately, Turner and others keep culture alive through inclusion and intention. It's my pleasure urges readers to think bigger than business and to strive to build culture that reaches far beyond corporate walls to improve the lives of everyone it touches. End quote. Again, uh, thanks to Forbes contributor Kevin Cruz for that summary. So again, I and I know we've said this before, but it bears repeating, really. Culture starts with your people and, and ends there, really, in a lot of ways. And Deanne Turner was kind enough to sit down with me this week and share her thoughts about why we should all think or start to think anyway, about culture differently and and some steps we can take to making our own cultures the envy of our own profession. So some uh, great thoughts here from a true thought leader in this space. Here is Deanne Turner. So Deanne, thanks so much for being here. Um, I guess I want to start with this. I'm always inspired by people who who stay with one organization for as long as you were with Chick-fil-A because to me I don't that speaks directly to to the organization right and the, and the people that you work with you you truly have to you know love your job and and your company and your colleagues to stick around that long so I guess my question is what what was it for you well it was definitely the culture of care uh, that I worked in all of those years that you know I was in a place where there was a lot of focus on development and growing and being part of a mission that was bigger than ourselves. And I think, I think that that, you know, the interesting part of is that is what most millennials want now in a job opportunity. And Chick-fil-A was well, was way ahead of the curve in focusing on some of those uh, ideals. And that's really what kept me there all those years. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, do you remember your first day? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll never what, what were you thinking when you walked in the door? <laughs> well, I, what I remember even more than my first day is I remember 
my very, uh, the night that I was hired, I'd been there all day interviewing and this was probably fifth, you know, fifth or sixth trip there. And it was six o'clock in the evening before I got the job interview. And the original building at Chick-fil-A was the only building at the time. And there was a railing around the top floor where, well, there's railing all the way around because it has an open atrium. And I stood at that railing and I can still remember, I wasn't but 21 years old. It was 34 years ago. And I remember it like yesterday, standing at that railing. And I knew deep in my soul that I had just become a part of something very, very special. I did, had no idea it would be what it was, but I, it, I knew that it was something very, very special. Well, that was going to be my next question. How, how did you know that you were onto something special even that early? Well, I think it was, I mean, to start with, it was just the process that I'd been through to be interviewed. You know, it, it's not a place that you just walk in and have an interview and get a job offer. Um, you know, you vet the organization and they vetted me. And this this courtship went on for six months before I received a job offer. So I had the opportunity, not only did they have the opportunity to get to know me really, really well, but I had the opportunity to get to know them and to understand the essence of the culture, what the purpose of the organization was, the mission and the core values. And, you know, and being around people that were so genuine and so real and so all those things combined is what gave me that sense of, hey, this is going to be something special. Who inspired you the most while you were there? Wow. I was inspired by so many people. It's hard to say. Um, definitely by Chick-fil-A's founder, Truett Cathy. Um, I was so grateful to have the opportunity to work closely with him. He taught me so much about people decisions. Um, but secondly, the person who really championed and mentored and sponsored me would be Chick-fil-A's former president, Jimmy Collins. He started from the very beginning of Chick-fil-A with Truett. And so he'd been around about 20 years before I came on the scene. And, you know, it was quite unusual. Here I was, a young woman, and he was, you know, later in his career. And in those days, I mean, this is the mid-80s, and he's sponsoring and championing um, this young woman to become, you know, something more, the potential that he saw in me. And in those days, women just didn't have those kind of sponsors and champions. At least I, I didn't know many of them. So um, I felt very honored by that. And he certainly, you know, he was, he, he while he was a great encourager, he also held me very accountable for the work that I did. And he taught me a lot of the people selection principles that I used all of those years. So Jimmy was, was definitely a huge uh, part of my career and and a real reason that I uh, was able to attain the success that I had. And and then lastly, you know, we all need um, somebody who's our confidant that um, helps us along the way. And so I was fortunate during all those years to have a really, really close friend. And um, I think that helps us stay with companies a long time too, when we have those kinds of relationships that um, we share during those years. So I think between the inspiration that came from Truett, the sponsorship and mentorship that came from Jimmy, and the friendship that came from Lynn, I think that combination is what uh, really helped me along the way at Chick-fil-A. And, and, and cultures, cultures like that, they, they don't just happen, do they? I mean, the, the leadership there had to have had a moment where they, they, they made a conscious choice about this is who we want to be. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, Chick-fil-A's culture is very intentional. It was intentional by Truett when he created the, uh, you know, when he uh, opened his first restaurant 
And it was, it was really a reflection of who he was as a person. I mean, he loved people. He knew he was in the people business and not the restaurant business. So while everything wasn't written down from the very beginning, it became a reflection of who he was as a person. So, you know, when Chick-fil-A developed their corporate purpose in 1983 or 1982, rather, it was a, it was a direct reflection on Truett's purpose, personal purpose to be a faithful steward. Um, of all that was entrusted to him and a positive influence and in all who came in contact with Chick-fil-A. When the core values were finally written down, they were written down to reflect who true it was as a person. You know, his commitment to excellence and integrity and generosity and loyalty. The, uh, I, I hear that more and more about core values, that they've, that they've got to come from the leadership, right? There's a reason why these people were drawn to each other and, and, and what, what those values reflect. In other words, if you're, if you're putting a task force from different departments together to put your core values, it's not going to be as powerful as if they came directly from the leadership and reflect who they are as individuals. Right. And, and so what's so important about that is that all of this is demonstrated by the leadership. You know, you can write all these things down and create all this you know, these elements of your culture. But if your leadership's not demonstrating all of those, then it has no stickability to it. So help me understand um, what comes first here. Is, is, a, is a culture born by selecting the right people to work for you? Or do you attract great people by first getting your culture right? I think it's actually a circle, you know. Because, and I do think you start with a foundation of a place where people want to work and they want to be a part of it and then they become a part of it and actually because they flourish in that culture they strengthen that culture over time and it grows and it becomes even more a place that people want to be a part of and that customers want to be a part of and it attracts better people and you know so it's this cycle that occurs but i think it's it has to start with a very clear foundation of um, this is who we are and people are attracted to that So I'm curious what your thoughts are on where a culturally kind of challenged organization uh, might begin to to write the ship because there's a there's a lot of them out there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think one thing people tend to forget is that you you've got a culture, whether you realize it or not. And, and wow. so uh, so as as somebody kind of recognizes, hey, we've got some work to do with our culture here. What what do you think first steps ought to be? Well, I, I always, and, and I've met with some of these since retiring from Chick-fil-A, and uh, as I've consulted these organizations, the first thing I ask them is, th- there's two things. The first thing is actually uh, when I had a CEO not long after I retired call me and asked for my help, and a very large company, like $15 billion global company, tens of thousands of employees, and I said, so who's responsible for culture in your organization? And he said, I am. And I said, well, good, we're in business then, because that's the first thing is leadership has to be bought into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second place to start, once you have your leadership bought in, is to me, it's always start with why. Simon Sinek, I said it, I agree with him. Start with why. What is your purpose? What is your reason for existing? And every time you hit a bump, you know, you don't have to just be struggling, but you might just hit a bump. You might have, you know, you might have a bad PR day. You might have a slump in sales. You might have a number of things. And to go back and say, okay, this is our purpose. This is why we're here. Revisit that together. Focus on that. That's always a place to start if you want to, 
get a handle on your uh, on a failing culture. Um, once that you've revisited that why, then move right on to, okay, so we've said this is our mission. Have we achieved it? No. Do we want to keep pursuing this, this mission? Well, if we do, then we've got to double down our efforts on that and bring everybody along with us. If we don't, well, then let's pick the right new mission for us to pursue. That's the big goal that we're all about as an organization. And then it's demonstrated core values. What are the values, that the behaviors that are going to help us meet our purpose and our mission and define those well, and then most importantly, demonstrate them to everyone in the organization consistently on a daily basis. And it's, it's a simple formula, but it's so hard. And the hard part of it is the demonstration of it every day. It's the focus on it. This is our why. This is what we're in business to do. And this is the behaviors we're going to demonstrate. And then consistently do that over and over again. That's what a struggling organization needs to do. And, and that why, it, it has to be about more than just making money, right? I mean, right. It's got to go way beyond that. Exactly. Help me uh, understand uh, the power of core values uh, for a second, uh, because I think a lot of people, you know, they've, they've, for a lot of folks, I think they've become kind of, you know, overused and trite and, and just kind of words on a poster on a wall that nobody really pays attention to much anymore. What, help me understand why they are as powerful as ever. Well, I think you bring out the point. So many organizations, unfortunately, they do make a, a poster on the wall. You know, I love one of the things that Chick-fil-A did not long ago, and that was that they changed their core values. We'd had the same core values for decades, and they were created by the founder. Well, when Truett passed away in 2014, we had a new CEO. In fact, we had a new executive committee, and we had a new um, board of directors. There were just a number of changes that were happening in the organization. And so one of the things we did was revisit core values and said, okay, in this season, under this leadership, are these still the same? And actually, we said, yeah, those things still apply, but there's some things that are going to drive us even more. So they went through it from one word descriptions of Truett Cathy, which were excellence, integrity, generosity, and loyalty, to phrases that represented where we were at that particular time, um, you know, had become a $10 billion business versus that one restaurant that Truett had when he first began in 1946. So, the core values became we're here to serve, we're better together, we're purpose-driven, and we pursue what's next. And so those fit the fact that we're in the service business. Everybody in this organization, whatever your role is, you're here to serve. The way we're going to do this is work together. We are committed to our long-time purpose, and we're driven by that. And then I loved the nod to, and we're paying attention to innovation. And that was probably... The, the most significant change in the core values. But, you know, those were developed through lots of input throughout the organization. And then they're demonstrated and they're talked about and they're talked about when feedback's given. You know, how are, are, you, know, how are you serving others? What are you contributing to the team? How are you looking forward to the future and in innovating in your role? So that's how they come to life is when they're, they're part of the everyday fabric of how business is done. Let's talk a little bit about um, talent here for for just a second. This is a this is a huge issue in in our profession, accounting and finance. There there seems to be a lot of organizations in the profession struggling to find the right talent to to help them achieve their goals. Uh, where do we, where do where should we start to you know in this effort to surround ourselves with 
with great people? Does it start with culture and core values? Or I mean, what are what are logical first steps in your mind as, as you go out to look for, for the right person? Well, you certainly have to be an organization that people want to join. You know, and you have to be, you have to have leaders that people want to work for. That's, that's part of the, developing the culture. And you've mentioned something. I will tell you, I've, I've seen three cycles during the course of my career of full unemployment, very, very hard to find talent. And out of those three, this has definitely been the most difficult. I've mm-hmm. never seen a harder time to find and keep talent. And so, and I think it's historical. I think that it's the hardest ever. So, um, for all those businesses that are doing this, it's a real, I mean, the challenge of it, it, it we can't state it enough, obviously. Um, but starting, but there's a few things you can do. And you can start with being a place where people want to come to. And so we've talked about that, the culture part of it. The second part about it is, is you know, understanding what this generation wants. And this generation wants development. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They want to have a greater impact through their work. And they don't want their whole life to be about work, which that part makes it really hard in the accounting field. Um, (laughs) Because I understand that. I I worked at one time for a brief period of time in college for for a big, at the time it was a big six accounting firm. And then over over the years, uh, I selected a lot of accountants for the organization away from the big accounting firms because they were people who, who wanted that balance in life. And so um, those three factors are, you know, when I'm speaking directly to the accounting um, groups, it's like, okay, those are the three you've got to address. You've got to address, do we have a culture here that people want to work in? Um, can we provide some semblance of balance? How are we going to do that? And I think a lot of firms have responded to that. And then thirdly, how are we going to make this a place uh, you know, that people can really see they have an impact just literally beyond a bottom line to a spreadsheet, but that their work is doing, you know, is doing something for the greater good? The other part then, of course, is development. And that's a lot of the leaders have to invest in that development of their people and spend time with them, give them opportunities to grow. Um, talent mobility is probably the biggest issue in human resources practice today, is how can people move within the organization? They don't want to stay in the same place. And if you don't give them an opportunity to move in your organization, then that's when they look for, mm-hmm. to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's so, so key to, to know that you're working with somebody who sees a clear career path for you and helps you get there. I mean, it just means the world. Right. Back to you now. You've been out on your own for, for just over a year. What's kind of surprised you about uh, going out and building your own business? <laughs> well, I have, first I'll tell you, I've had the time of my life, but uh, not everybody would say that about their own business, but that's just part of being in the corporate grind for all those years. Wonderful organization, but um, still a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress and pressure. And uh, owning your own business is certainly some of the same, but it's just different um, because you have a lot more control over those things. And so I've enjoyed this year. I call it I work hard and then I play hard and then I work hard some more. And go. so I have found some of that rhythm. But I will tell you, one of the perspectives um, that you come away with is I appreciate so much the organization that I worked for. I appreciated it when I was there, but as I've left and um, been out and worked with so many organizations, I've come to realize the very, just the very special nature of what Chick Fil A's created um, over all these years. 
Yeah, which leads to my next question. After so, so many years at Chick-fil-A, so many memories, any regrets about leaving? No, sir. <laughs> um, wonderful place to be while I was there. But it was, uh, you know, for me, um, I had had a dream. I have to share this with you. So I'd had a dream since I was a little girl. I wanted to be a writer. And I studied journalism in college. I ended up at Chick-fil-A in Human Resources. Um, I'd applied for a marketing job. I was trying to get into advertising, but they didn't um, have that available at the time. Well, actually, I, I ended up with the opportunity to go there, but I was intrigued by human resources. And I took the job with the idea that I'd go to marketing within a couple of years. Well, that never happened. I um, found my calling was in HR and it was wonderful. I loved it. But and the reason I didn't go directly into journalism out of college is because a couple of reasons. One was finances. It wasn't a way you could make a living very well. And yeah. secondly, uh, I didn't feel like I had enough life experience or any experiences that anybody would be interested in reading about at the time. <laughs> so in 2015, um, I had the opportunity to publish my first book, It's My Pleasure. And the most interesting thing that happened is on that day, that book released, it was my 30th anniversary with Chick-fil-A. And I left HR after 30 years to launch Chick-fil-A's social responsibility and sustainability function. And, and I did that for a couple of years and I loved building things and that was all exciting. But then this opportunity came, Chick-fil-A offered about 100 long-term employees an opportunity for a voluntary option. And I was on the younger end of that, but, it, but I just got a contract from Baker Books to write two new books. Oh, and I loved writing and speaking, and I love influencing other organizations and meeting new people. And I didn't know how much fun I was going to have at the time. It was the scariest decision I ever made. It was like, I can't believe I'm jumping off the ship. But I did, and I don't regret a minute. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And there is no greater peace than to be in that spot. Oh, I, I'm envious of you. And, and as, as a former journalist myself, I have to say you've made the right decision. Um, <laughs> I've been there and done that, and uh, um, but now you've got the best of both worlds. So, right, you get to you get to write and 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 do what you love, which is which is awesome. So, got to close with this. Got to ask: chicken sandwiches, uh, <laughs> all in the news today. Chick Fil A or Popeyes? <laughs> oh, you know Chick Fil A, but <laughs> this is a great story, and I think there's been a lot of fun around this between Chick Fil A and Popeyes, but. But I, I even wrote a post about this. You know, you can copy any product. You can, a good chef can, can take a product, they can figure out what the ingredients are and recreate it. But it's really about the talent war. It's not about the chicken war. It's about the talent war. Mm-hmm. Where are the best people? Where are you as a customer getting the best service? How are you being treated? How are, what are your customer experiences? And that's what Chick-fil-A is winning right now. I hope they continue to do so, but... Um, they definitely were the first, and in my opinion, the best chicken sandwich. But they're winning where they're winning is in the service. Well, it's it's uh, you, you take you take good care of your people, and and your people will take good care of your customers. So that's right. I firmly believe that, and and I am grateful for the gift of your time, uh, Deanne Turner. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. I appreciate it. Well, it's completely been my pleasure to be with you, Bill. Thank you so much. That was Deanne Turner, former Vice President of Talent and Human Resources at Chick-fil-A. 
She now speaks and consults with businesses around the world on how to leverage talent and culture to create what she calls legendary customer experiences. Find out more by visiting dannturner.com. You can order her books there. You can read her blog. You can find out where your culture stands by taking a free assessment. Good stuff there. Again, it's dannturner.com. And before I forget... Uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half now, and, and so far I've been making most of the decisions about who I'll be talking to on a weekly basis, which frankly is a little selfish. I can kind of be a control freak that way. So I want to know, what do you think or who do you think we should be talking to? If you've got some ideas about topics or guests for upcoming shows, uh, let me know. Just drop me a line at bill at blionline.org. Let me know what you think or, or just say Hi. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, And don't forget, this week's sponsor is the Business Learning Institute, the BLI's Future Ready Learning Framework. Outlines the skills that CPAs need to thrive in the rapidly changing world of accounting and finance. That framework is all about gaining and maintaining deep technical knowledge along with a strategic skill set. We're talking about strategic aptitudes that have been identified as most crucial for tomorrow's CPAs. Start mastering these future ready skills now by visiting macpa.org slash future dash learning. And that's all I got for you, gang. Have a great week. Talk to you again next week.